everybody. Welcome to episode 366 of the More Than Just Vision Pro podcast. My name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm, I thought you guys would laugh at that. <laughs> Professionalism, Tim. Right. We're, we're holding it. Overdubbing it in, in, in yeah. uh, post. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. I'll do one more time. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 366 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Timitra. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm uh, also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. And sorry, my dog's barking. Are you done? This is a more than just podcast production. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 366 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And I'm also joined by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. So here we are. Um, this is our, uh, our. We just had a, a you know an amazing second week in a row for the podcast. I know it's, amazing. It's it's, it's, it's that it's, hasn't I'm, happened in I'm years. Heard it. Hasn't heard ha, it has not happened in years. No, definitely. Uh, and don't get used to it, folks. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> um, yeah. So we had a really interesting week. Um, we did we did get some of the nice things we thought we would get from uh, uh WWC and um including some improvements to core data which we were kind of thinking about hoping for um you know a little bit more abstraction if you ask me but uh yeah so it's kind of an interesting week so i guess um do you guys want to just dive right in i don't think we have any fact check or follow up today right didn't see any uh, let's do it any uh all right. Well, let, let's start. Let's start with the with Mark first of all, because so Mark, you were on site for the event. Um, I was. I was and, on site. Uh, what are, What is your What's your impressions of now that you've been to? I mean, your big question before going in was like, why are people coming to this event? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I asked a bunch of people that a bunch of people who are from out of town. I asked that question, uh, and. And, uh, I mean, the answer was generally because I can, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the, kind of the main answer. Uh, but you know, it was, this is my second time at Apple park. Uh, so, so I didn't have the, you know, the, the, the novelty of, of the first time there, but it was still a lot of fun. It was, it was a great event. Uh, there were a lot of people there. It was packed full. Uh, we had a, we had a full day of events. I mean, everything you saw on the recordings, Obviously, we were there for, but uh, plus more. Uh, things got kicked off. They kicked off right when the keynote started, and as you know, that lasted maybe a couple of hours. Uh, then they gave us a cool lunch and tours of the building, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, got to see got to see the the cafeteria with the giant doors. Uh, if you've heard about this, no. Do, do you guys know no. what I'm talking about? So one of the one of the the big things about Apple Park is the it's several stories tall, but the cafeteria, the Cafe Max, uh, is goes the the full height. And when you're inside the cafeteria, like was it forty, fifty feet kind of thing? Or yeah, they have the whole front wall. I guess it's the front, but it's the thing's round, so I don't know whether it's the front or whatever. But the front wall of the cafeteria is this giant glass door that that opens slides up or down. I didn't actually see it in motion, but uh, I, don't, I guess it slides down probably into the ground as one big giant unit. And apparently it's completely quiet and it's fast, uh, but it's, it's just enormous sheet of glass, which is kind of a cool thing. They, they like to talk about that. 
and then we saw you could see the inside of the ring. Uh, the tour wasn't that extensive. It just kind of took us around one little section. They did take us down into this place that's called the gallery, which I, which apparently most people don't see, as, as they were telling us. And it's uh, it's it's just a little kind of a mini art gallery in the inside Apple Park uh, that they have for I guess it's for employees because there was a there was a you know the the banking area was was attached to it, so it's not like it's a secret place. Just people from the outside generally don't come in. Uh, then, then at, uh, let's see, we had the, the, we had the two sessions, we had the tours, we had the Apple design awards, uh, and then, uh, then they had a special, what they called a special evening event, which I got to admit was a little bit of a letdown because the special event was, we got to stand in line for an hour and then go, once we got to the front of the line, we got to walk up to the Steve Jobs theater, go inside and see the the Vision Pro, but not in action, just sitting on a pedestal with a couple of security guards on either side. I'm 100% sure that the ones that we saw did not actually work. <laughs> I'm convinced of that. Uh, but uh, at least we got to see them, you know. So that was kind of that was kind of cool. Sorry, I was going to say that I was going to say that they did something like that at um, when they rolled out the Mac Pro. I remember there was like a security guard with like a, a thing, and then um, when the the fifteen inch, um, you know, the all in one aluminum fifteen uh, inch came out, they did the same thing. They had to sort of like after after you came out of the keynote, you could see this thing, but it wasn't like you know. So yeah, they've done that in the past where they they've had like units that are there that work don't work whatever but anyway, i'll tell more about that when you when you finish your wrap up here yeah so day two was a short day uh there were there were actually three different sessions and you could go to one of the three uh, if you got in because they were it was pretty tight and it and it filled up pretty quickly but it was the more in-depth technical discussion about vision os as opposed to the vision pro the vision os about it's about the software and essentially they just walked through what it takes to add a feature to a Vision OS app. And we're showing really how easy it is. So there are four phases. There's phase one is all about Swift UI, uh, which is where you have your the your main app. You know, you write your you write your main app and have the uh, the the main uh, UI for for the app. Then there's then they showed how that integrates with the reality kit which is the set of libraries for integrating all the 3D objects into your SwiftUI views. And it's really easy to do, really nice. Uh, then, they sh- then they talk about Reality Composer, which is the tool in Xcode. It's, it's, a slight, it's, it's in Xcode, but it's slightly standalone from the, the, the coding part, because uh, it's, it's, a, it's a GUI tool where you design and, and tweak all of your 3D objects. You can actually uh, set the colors and the and the uh, the textures and the particle generators, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then they talked about ARKit and how it really, in the context of the uh, gestures, was the main focus of it. How you can integrate the gestures uh, to to manipulate things in your in your space for Vision OS. So it's pretty cool. It's good to good to see it. I was sort of hoping for something a little bit more hands on, uh, but alas, it was not. I was even. I had. I had dreams of uh, walking away with a with a Vision Pro dev kit and walking out of the building, but but that that did not happen by a long shot. <laughs> so it was fun. It was good. Well, I, I 
would have figured, but I, I did see some pictures online of what Mark's probably talking about. I figured it was going to be like the encased in carbonite sort of thing where you couldn't actually mm-hmm, like even mm-hmm. reach out to touch them, uh, even if the, the guards kind of look at you funny. Uh, but it, it did seem like they were freestanding. It didn't seem like the um, whatever, maybe it was the Retina MacBook Pro that I saw that was like in a acrylic tube. So you yeah, couldn't, you couldn't touch it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Like, um, like well, I mean, the thing about it is, is they're saying that the the dev kit, like I guess whatever it is going to be in Xcode, is not available yet. In fact, on the site it says, right. um, like they're going to go through how to do it. Uh, you know, in the sessions that you can watch in the last couple mm-hmm. of days. It's Wednesday for those of you who don't know when we're recording, but um, so we're halfway through WWDC, but. The you know so so we don't know what the actual uh, I mean you can I mean you can get reality composer and you can play around with it um, it was been in beta for a couple of years and you can try it, you know if you've done any AR kit but uh, so I mean all the pieces that are that are they're there are are uh, available for you to play with but they're not they're not written or written for specifically for Vision OS so that's the the wild card so there's a couple of um, things I saw online um, Paul, Paul Hudson has uh, tweeted, uh, he's got like a, I think it's like a four or five tweet long thread. Uh, he got to try, uh, he got to spend a half an hour with, with the uh, the unit, with a working one, and uh, describes it. And he says, you know, um, if you're wondering what it's what it's like, he says it's better than you could imagine. Wow. And Marcus Lee, Marcus Lee Brown also has done a review where he's tried it. And he's also done, he's also, there's a, in the video they show him sitting with, uh, with um, Mark Zuckerberg trying the Oculus. So, um, again, so his, he's got like a probably... 20 minute video on youtube right now just on just on the vision pro and his impressions of it and um some interesting comments about it and and maybe we'll 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 bring those back up when we get to that part of the this particular show here some of his comments that that i kind of were surprised by not surprised but not surprised you know it is a 1.0 device so there there are going to be some some gotchas right but yeah so that was pretty that's pretty cool so and so, what was this? Was the you said it was the second time you've been to Apple Park? What was the yeah. first one time? Or can you tell us? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can tell you this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I used to work at a company uh, that made drones. It was called Skydio, and this was several years ago that I worked there. And we were working on a. I actually wrote a watch app that could control the drone, and so you could from the watch you could tap a button on the watch and the drone would take off and show you a little not really a video feed it was sort of a fake video feed of what the drone was was seeing as it flew around and you could control it and say tell it to you know tell it to chase after some person because that's what the drone did it was very good at at uh, tracking and and uh, and driving around and things like that and then you, and you could land with it it was very cool actually very cool i don't think i ever saw any anything quite like the watch app that we did uh as this thing and and so apple was very interested in it and uh you know they brought us in to talk to them about it uh we were trying to get some you know get some like additional uh health kit kind of entitlements that kind of they they wouldn't go that far for us but uh but but they were at least interested in, in it, and they actually were selling it in the in the uh, physical Apple Store for a while. So I so they so anyway they invited us to Apple Park to to give them a demo and give us a give them a a look in at what it was. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So so the other the other comparison I can attempt to make here is what this was like compared to a real 
pre-pandemic WWDC. And it's interesting. I've thought about this a lot. Uh, they they tried to make it have that first day WWDC feel, right? With the people clapping when you went in and cheering. Uh, it didn't quite live up to what it was in the old days, I have to be honest. Uh, and uh, even though it was pretty immersive for the first day, it wasn't as immersive as it was in the old days. And it was only one day. So, so although it's still good, I'd love to go again. If you're listening, Apple, don't don't blackball me uh, <laughs> uh it, it's it, it was it was great it was a lot of fun i don't think i personally would fly ten thousand miles or whatever to go to this but i know people who did i met one guy from australia who who uh was there um and uh um, i guess his app got mentioned in in one of the talks so he wanted to be there for that so that was kind of cool uh but yeah there were a lot of people from out of town so uh, a lot of people did come. The food was better at Apple Park than at the convention center. Uh, that, that was not <laughs> true. Yeah, was actually you're, not, nice. you're not paying extra premium, right? Because, like, you know, it's not as if there's, I assume, I don't think there's Apple employees back there making the food. So there's there's still a vendor of some sort, that, like Aubon Payne or something that's doing that. But um, you're not paying for the venue's choice of vendor and the vendor, you know, and the vendor getting a cut of the money, the venue getting a cut of the money, like the venue is Apple. So they're not going to charge themselves for that. So they can, they can put all the extra bucks that they would have spent. They just put it in, in a higher tier of food. Yeah. Conference food is crazy expensive to the, to the organizers. Like when you, if you go to a hotel or whatever, it's like nuts. Mm -hmm. And And I assume this is the same food that they feed to Apple employees every day. They just fed it to us instead. Yeah. The, cool, the coolest thing was the coffee maker because you know maybe not maybe no one else will think it was it's cool but i'm a coffee fan and I, i'm into all things coffee and basically there's on the on the uh against the wall there's just like a countertop with a bunch of things like you know it's got the water uh machine and all that kind of stuff but then there's just a spout a metal spout with an ipad next to it and what you do is you put your cup under the spout and go to the iPad and you choose what kind of coffee you want on the iPad and you tap it and it just starts pouring. I thought that was very cool. Nice. Yeah. Like, is it immediate? Like, like, yeah, yeah. This was, this is not espresso. This was like, um, you know, drip coffee. So yeah. So I don't know how much of it they have. You could choose like a blender. You could choose like a whatever. Bean well, yeah, whatever I mean, you, and... you could choose, you know, regular decaf. There might've been light, light roast, dark roast, you know, but that's about it. Yeah, you can choose. You know, you can't say, I want a Sumatran Guatemalan blend <laughs> or anything like that. No, you didn't have that much freedom. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, let's dig into, let's dig into some uh, WWDC. So um, do you want to, I mean, you got the, the bullet points here. Do you want to go through them and we'll, we'll, we'll hackle, hackle you, heckle you? Yeah, I went with um, a, a reasonably close. It didn't perfectly work out sort of scheme here so sort of big bullet notes for the main products the main operating systems sort of split up the uh you know the apple vision pro and the one more thing into two and we'll talk briefly about that uh, but let's go down the list as presented in the what was it slightly over two it was like what two hours and six minutes i think it was you know so uh pretty packed but also kind of breezy considering you know how much time had to be dedicated to this new device 
So um, I think relatively well done. So starting things out is uh, what the MacBook Air. I don't know if I wrote any of these stats correctly. I got to be honest, I didn't watch it live. I had to watch the recording because I had back-to-back-to-back meetings. So I wrote, uh, what, 15-inch, uh, millimeters thin, 11.5. Is that right? I'm going to pretend that's right. Three and a half. Yeah, I have some, I have some stats pounds. here. Yeah, do you I have, have better stats, stats than I do? Because I kind of yeah, so, half-heartedly yeah. did them. Well, I mean, I got to tell you, the one super disappointing thing for me, two ports, two USB ports, Thunderport. They're calling them Thunder, Thunderbolt ports. But yeah, that that for well, me. Well, you know, I, it is a MacBook Air. It's I'm, t- a I'm MacBook telling Pro. you, Mark, I'm always <laughs> looking for another port. I'm always t- I'm looking for another mm. port. I plug I in know, adapters. I you know, it's 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 crazy. That's a, such a huge limitation for me. But yeah, you're right, Jaime. It was one point one one millimeters thin, three pounds, fifteen point three inch screen, ten eighty p camera for the webcam, has six speakers, uh, has three microphones for the for the um, to capture your your voice and deal with the environment and stuff like that. Eighteen hours battery they're talking about, um, and they said no trade offs. Pretty much, like they pretty much got everything covered. And I think I think the starting price, if I'm not mistaken, is twelve ninety nine US. So, uh, and you can you can get it next week. You can it's already available for order. And um, yeah, and 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 how much unified memory? Two. Uh, did it, I forgot how much unified memory? Technology. I wrote down hmm. twenty four gigs of memory and one gigs? terabyte of storage. Mm-hmm. That's okay. a, that sounds about right for a, for an air. Yeah, and so so Tim's right in like you know you you always want more ports, but I think for what I recall, MagSafe was what they were using to power it. So you're not giving up a USB port to that's true to power. True. So it's kind of like having two and a half ports, you know, because you're probably if you're like me, you probably keep it plugged in most of the time. Um, well, I have the new fancy Mac for work, the the 16 inch Ultra, whatever, and um, I'd never used the HDMI port, and I never used the SD port on it. So yeah. I mean, on the so on the right hand side, it's only got one USB port. On the yeah. other side, it's got two. That's that's one thing. That's one thing I totally agree with you on. The the Pro machines, which really ought to have a lot of ports, don't have enough ports. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's not enough USB yeah. and Thunderbolt ports. They've got other ones that I never use, like HDMI. Yeah, and actually, when you get down to it, like, you know, I've actually had the opportunity to have multiple Macs, because when I was working at TD, I used to handle all the Macs that came in, and, you know, like, the current um, MacBook Air is smaller than a MacBook Air from, like, a couple of generations previous. Like, I've, we've still got a 13-inch 2013 MacBook Pro, MacBook Air, and it's it's larger than my MacBook Air M1 that I've got, and, it, and the M1 and the and the 2020 um, Intel and MacBook Pro 13 are are relatively the same size, right, footprint wise. And so when you when you get even though you say 15 inches, it only grows like you know a little bit around the edges, kind of thing. So it's not like it's going to be that much bigger. So I suppose from a point of view of wanting a bigger screen, a bit more screen real estate, you're you're getting it. But um, you know, it's uh, the 16 inches are big, you know. Uh, the 14, I think the 14 and the 15 are probably very close to each other in size, right? You know, you guys haven't dealt with 14 or, or you haven't dealt with a smaller size Mac. You guys are on the 16s, I think, right? Or I have a 16. Or, I mean, still on yeah. the 15. Yep. 
I mean, did you ever upgrade? I'm, or no? I'm, I haven't, and I was, you know, keeping a watch on macOS that we'll talk about. Is keeping a watch of like, is this the year that they dropped my Mac from it? Because that's oh, yeah. that's what's going to, you know, push me off the cliff and be like, all right, now's the time to upgrade. So I'm I'm running this Intel based Mac into the ground is my my sort of choice. Unless I get something silly, we're like, oh, seventy five percent cash back with Apple Pay or something, you know, <laughs> something dumb like that, like that I can't turn down. Um, but I think for me, um, if I was a bit more mobile in what I what I do, so I do work remotely, but it's it's from home. I'm not the kind of person who can uh, handle being like in a cafe all the time. I really enjoy my my quiet times. I kind of like my little office. So I've never gone the MacBook Air route because I'm like, well, this thing is mostly going to be sitting on my desk. So what do I really care about losing a little bit of extra weight? you know, and, and more power, more ports, like, eh, you know, the handful of times I carry this thing around and move it around is not worth it. I think for people who absolutely are the opposite of me, that they're constantly going from co-working space to meetup to, you know, go have you know, work at a cafe and etc. Like you probably should go with the air because this thing's getting, you know, a great M2 chip. Apple Silicon's doing really great for, you know, processing power, but it uses hardly any battery power by comparison like you no know, unless you're doing something really really like you need it like why wouldn't you choose the the lighter one right yeah, ports yeah. And, and peripherals notwithstanding um yeah it's a good point i've been riding my bike to work and like it's a 20 minute 20 minute 25 minute ride there and back and um the 16 inch i have i have like a saddlebag on the back of the bike and it really makes the bike lopsided because like in terms of like almost treacherous like if i wipe out or whatever right because the bike gets really heavy i mean i think the mac weighs more than my bike does right and um, so so if you fall you know, even, if you fall do you use the mac to break your fall or do you use yourself to break the fall for the mac <laughs> uh, the, the one time i took a spill one time i took a spill uh i think i had it in on the back in a basket but uh yeah i kind of like kind of i had to stop suddenly and uh, there was like a truck truck coming in front of me and i just had to hit the brakes real quick and i lost my balance and i ended up like i landed on my on my my arm basically yeah i just Ouch. went straight down like no question yeah it's funny the fall detection on my watch i gotta complain didn't go off right but hmm. Yeah, but no, it was it was you know I hit I hit it hard and and so that's the one thing I've changed my arrangement. But yeah, I definitely did that extra three pounds. I'm sure makes a difference on my on my backpack weight, you know, kind of thing. Like I don't wear it on my back. I wear it on I put the the Mac, the Mac on a, a like a side bag pannier. So yeah, interesting. They did mention um, the M2 is a so I guess the the. Uh, I guess it was the M2 13 inches is a hundred dollars off or something like that. I think they mentioned really quickly, like just to say that you know, because this is coming in at the same price as the as the previous MacBook Air 13 inch, right? I believe 12.99. So so they've dropped. So you can still get the other one. Yeah, and, I wrote this down. Actually. But they didn't talk about this in the um, ship. You can get the the new one is 12.99. You can get the 13 inch M2 for 1.099 or the 13 inch M1 for 9.99. Yeah, and I think they still have the 13-inch with the with the touch bar on it, right? Is, they have a 13 is that the M1 or is, that, oh, or is that an Intel? The M1, I think. The, I think. No, I think there's an M2. There's an M2 that has touch Maybe bar. Maybe that's a thousand. The last, the last holdout. Yeah, I don't know why you'd get the M1 for a hundred dollars less than the M2. I don't know who'd do that, but I don't know. It would make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's only a hundred bucks difference. Um, so, Jaime, do you want to jump to the Mac Studio? 
Yeah, I feel like the Mac Studio we might talk about and then come back to. So the Mac Studio yeah. okay. uh, seemed really, really nice. They talked about how NBC uses that with Saturday Night Live. You know, it's got M2 Max as an option. It's got M2 Ultra. I wrote numbers that seem totally fake, but I'm guessing I probably got them from a screen. 24-core CPU, 76-core GPU, 22 mm-hmm. streams at 8K ProRes video, supports six Pro Display XDRs, starting at a cool 1999 US. Is that with 192 gigabytes of unified memory? That uh, was the version I, with the did, M2 yes. Ultra. Oh, the, yeah, and the Ultra is, is that, that same uh, where they have two chips, basically, yep. and they just don't cut them right. apart. Two right? die is what they call it. Yeah, two die. Yep. Two die, yeah. Yeah, that's the, the Ultra, yep. right? I'm not sure yeah. they said, yeah. I didn't, or I didn't write it down, and they might have said it, but the, the regular Mac Studio has the M2 Max, and, it, and it, I didn't write down what the memory was on that one. But remember, we were talking Probably last half, week right? about the paltry <laughs> 96 gigabytes. Well, they showed us <laughs> with the M2 Ultra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've written down eight. Th- oh, this is the no. I guess. Oh, I'm talking about the Mac Pro, Mac Pro. Oh wait, I jumped mm-hmm. ahead. Sorry. Mac Pro also. I mean, you're going to circle back. Also, okay. So the oh yeah, that's, that's true. No, I, I I scrolled, but yeah, you're right. I've got I've got um, just sticking on the on the studio higher bandwidth hdmi uh and can drive six pro xdr screens with uh with the the video ram they've got in it uh 22 streams of 8k video playback they claim with this uh m2 ultra on the mac studio mm-hmm. that's pretty pretty good like if you i guess if you want to have edit eight screens worth of video at the same time more power to you um, somebody does <laughs> but yeah but yeah, so the spoiler is jump into the Mac Pro. This is this is the the one thing that we weren't a hundred percent sure of, or I can't remember if there was a rumor about it. But it was the holdout of the Intel machines, and this so this one going to, to Apple Silicon completes the cycle of uh, moving off of uh, Intel, right? So and this is so the M2 Ultra, as I mentioned before, one hundred two hundred ninety two gigabytes of unified RAM, which seems low now all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't have bumped it up a little bit um, more, gotten it over two hundred. I guess. Well, well, it's funny though because yeah, it's funny though because the one selling point that they had on this was the you know the eight Thunderbolt ports. I think two on the top and four on. Uh, all, it's got ports all over it. It's like you know, it's like a porn movie. But um, the um, six gen six gen four PCI slots, and they did they did sort of mention storage in in terms of what you could you could put you know GPUs and CPUs and video processors and I don't know why you couldn't put in like remember the I think it was the Apple one or Apple two that had like a memory card you could put in one of the slots to increase the RAM. Oh, because right? the RAM might be on chip, maybe. No, no, the RAM is on the yeah. on the chip. It's that's the whole point of reason why it's not right. usable, usable, right. upgradable. But I would I would wonder like you're going to get. I mean, the PCI slot is going to be slower than a unified RAM slot, right? Because unified RAM means it's on the on the board, right? Is that not what it means? I'm not sure what the definition is. To be honest, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, and so and this is the first time we had a rack mount version of Mac Pro in in a while. Well, we used to have those Mac servers. Which, yeah, no, no. We had, we've had, we've had um, Macs that you could get with a like, a, yeah, like a 19-inch mount, yeah. right? 
no wheels, right, for example. Right. So, but I think this is the first first of this new oh, yeah, generation yeah. of yeah, Mac Pro yeah. The cheese grater that has a rack. The cheese right? grater didn't have a rack mount, and certainly the uh, the mini keg didn't have a, a rack mount version. Yeah, yeah, yeah or the trash can, depending on Actually, who you ask. I vaguely remember. Uh, no, I think we did have rack mount because I remember. I remember doing some podcast art um, where I where I super. I, basically superimposed it and compared it with, with my X ex, Xers that I still had in my rack here, which is now gone, by the way. I finally got rid of my rack a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I have one Xer left that's in a box. Coming back to the Mac Pro, though, $69.99. It's like something from a Zappa song. So $6,999 to get one of these puppies. And that's the base model, right? Yeah. 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 It's, so. it's a weird one. Because it is, you know, the most top end. What you get for that big jump from nineteen ninety nine to sixty nine ninety nine is sort of interesting. Like certainly, if you, you know, if you need the rack mount, you, you've got no choice, right? If you need the expansibility uh, with card slots and etc., you kind of, you know, your choice is made for you. Uh, and I guess if you needed those two additional four K camera feeds, uh, that could make the difference too. But otherwise, yeah. it really feels like. The, the jump is so high compared to, to the relative value that you probably should step down to a Mac Studio if you were waiting around for the Mac Pro. Well, it probably ends up true. being a better value, and, and unless, unless you have those very yeah, specific Yeah, unless you needs. need the expandability. That's, that's the key. I was thinking about this, too. I think, I think the bare Mac Pro and a Mac Studio, my guess, are probably, from a performance point of view, are going to be kind of similar. Uh, but if you need that special audio card or that special uh you know video card that you have to have for your for your business then of course you need the mac pro because you need that you need those slots those pci slots that you can put it in that's that's what i think mm-hmm. interesting so there was a comment that tim cook made at the end of, of when he basically showed the picture of all the macs within with apple silicon he said that it's the best lineup of in the history of computing well, so, that's probably true, but you know, you can kind of say that every year cuz computers always get better. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I also yeah, think in, yeah. in Apple's case, I think they're literally the only one that has this range. Mm-hmm. I can't think yeah. of anybody who has a uh, Mac Pro competitor who also has a MacBook Air competitor. True. True. I can think of people yeah. who have MacBook Air competitors and they definitely don't have Mac Pro competitors. So they certainly have the widest range of, of computing coverage. And the keynote they threw over to uh, Craig Federighi for the iOS updates. And he wasn't running at first, but if you did have if you did have um, Craig running on your, your card, you did get that. Actually, before we get to that, Mark, you posted a couple of pictures on Slack that Tim Cook and Craig Federighi did come out and address you guys before the keynote. Yes, started, they right? did. Yes, they did. They they came out and introduced it uh, live, just for a minute, right. just for a minute or two, just to say hello, welcome. Uh, and um, uh, Craig made a couple of jokes about how there would be no no pictures of him in funny costumes, which did not turn out to be true. Uh, uh, and, and, but that was it. Um, there was very little live in the whole thing. There was that basic intro. Uh, there was, I'm trying to remember if there was an intro for the, for the state of the union. I don't remember. Uh, there might've been a quick thing. The design awards. Were there multiple screens? Like, were there multiple screens so that people could see? So there were, there were two areas. Uh, there was the outside area. Uh, which was just a bunch of seats and an enormous screen. And then 
at the back of the outdoor area was this cafeteria I talked about with the doors open. So there were all sorts of seats inside, but facing out towards the big screen. And they had some smaller screens inside the cafeteria. But, like a replay kind of thing, yeah. Well, I mean, no, it was, it was at the same time. Well, like, but, I remember, remember in Presidio, they used to have, Presidio, you had the stage, right? And then and then if you were sitting way back, they had those giant screens. Yeah, because it's hard to see the stage. You can look at that instead, yeah. yeah. Right. So, but there was only one enormous uh, screen and, and some smaller screens. So that's that's about it for live. The design awards were live. Um, and, oh, and the Tuesday event was live. They even made a point of saying that this was the only live session of the whole conference. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, so they got got into iOS 17. Uh, contact cards, I just, I just wrote that down. It's like... Uh, well, it's bump, I guess, for your phone. You can, yeah. You can bump from. You can create a custom look to your card, and uh, super exciting. I can't believe that. You know, so it's, it's. I guess it's this this year's emojis, right? Right. But but this is this is far more useful, in my opinion, than emojis. This is actually something I will use. You know, you fill up your card because how many times do you meet somebody and you know? Okay, you exchange LinkedIn or exchange. You guys exchange Twitter or whatever. But with this, it just you know you just tap your phone and. You're done. Yeah, and I said bump because I, I think I'm yeah. pretty sure we we had things like that in BlackBerry. I think we had them in Palm Pilot, um, and then I think we I think there was an app called Bump. At there one was, point, yeah, right? it was kind of the first one that mm-hmm. did this kind of concept. Yeah, sure, and it, and it just drops a VCF file and then which is a video card file or whatever or virtual card file i think it's called mm-hmm. um but yeah so the, the one i laughed at was the live voicemail i don't know if you guys remember answering machines i think mark used to have one on your phone of course yeah to hear it ringing in the back uh-huh. and you know you could screen the caller and if you didn't if you didn't want to pick up you just let it keep going to voicemail but you know if you know so my 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 response to that was, I know you're screening this call. Pick up, pick up, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which is what you'd hear, right? <laughs> so it's kind of the same concept as that, right? So, because um, I I don't know, I I I love the focus feature in, in iOS 16 right now. I don't even have my phone ringing during the day, like it just it, unless it's like a certain number of people on the list of people who can call me, my phone doesn't even ring. So, oh, my phone hasn't rung in years. I just have it on. I have it on uh, vibrate all the time. Well, I think I think Carol, mine flashes actually. I don't even have it on vibrate. But I think Carol is the only person I know who actually uses the, her phone to call. She calls her sister once a week, kind of thing, right? But yeah, this and you know, she talks to the the grandkids, grandkids and stuff like that. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't. I mean, unless I'm calling the bank or something like, because it's a problem with my account. I really don't use my phone at all as as a telephone, right? So. It's the urgency sort of thing. I, I tell family members because I, you know, I live far away from uh, majority of my family. I tell family members, like, if it's urgent, like really, really urgent, call me. Like, you know, somebody's in the hospital, somebody's passed away kind of thing. Uh, maybe somebody born, but I'm like, eh, you could text me that too, right? Because then you'll just text me a photo. <laughs> I can't I can't hear the newborn baby uh, uh, and see the newborn baby. I can do only one of those, right? So it's an inferior sort of thing. Um so the the telephony part isn't really that great, but I think the case that they gave is probably the most likely case of, you know, you want to see what is it that my family members probably, you know, children, like, what is it that they're calling about? Is it something important? Like the house is flooding? Oh, crap. Like, yes, I better just drop everything. Go for it. If they're like, hey, uh, the, I'm not sure what the dog wants to eat. Was I supposed to give him A or B? I was like, ah, I can text him. He doesn't need to 
call me for that. Right. So you want to see the live transcription and decide if you want to, if you want to screen the phone call or not is, I think is useful for that case. It's not a, not a huge winner for somebody like me who, you know, shouldn't be receiving phone calls, uh, you know, 99 times out of a hundred, but sure. On device, by the way, uh, privacy. It's not like it's going through like Verizon or T-Mobile or AT&T. Like I said, that that transcription is happening on device. No, oh, true. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that stuff. So the the next thing I wrote down, all I wrote down was messages. I don't even remember what they said about messages. To be honest with you, did you, did you call anything? Let's see. Checking my note here. Uh, uh, something called name drop. Oh, that was the bump thing, right? Keyboard and dictation, autocorrect improvements. Dictation again. Yeah, so the first time they got into anything resembling AI or ML, I mean, they used ML. They never said AI in the presentation. But the transformer language model being used in autocorrect, I think, was the first sort of implication that there was some sort of like um, LLM kind of work going on in there, right? Sentence prediction, which is finally the MacBook MacBook wheel comes to life, right? That's a deep cut. I guess you guys don't get it. <laughs> And then the journal app, I think they talked about, they, they switched over to health, and they talked about this journal app, which is a, um, I got machete learning to inspire your writing. Oh, this is, yeah, the machete learning. Machine learning. This is, I guess, is what I wrote, but uh, thanks for thanks for messing up my autocorrect at its, at its best, right? Um, yeah, to inspire your writing. Oh, yeah, this is the thing, yeah, the, the, the uh, helping you write your thoughts or, yeah. Um, yeah, because this looks like yeah. If you want to, if you want to journal things, or it'll help you with your writing style. That's what it is with the journal, right? Because it's got the machete learning stuff right. in there. Yeah, it's got transformers <laughs> in there, Optimus Prime and Megatron right. are in there as uh, the new models to help you with text prediction. And again, like you said, it's secure on device processing. You can lock it. Practice gratitude. It says here too. I wrote down. Um, what was standby? Yeah, we both wrote down thought- standby. What was that? I did standby. It, yeah, oh, it's like the same thing as you have for your watch. So if you have a watch and you turn it on its side while it's charging, oh, right, right, it turns right, right, into right, a little right. clock. Gotcha. This one turns your iPhone. I assume you've got like MagSafe to hold it at a nice little stand to give you a nice clock. And yeah. uh, I forget what the other thing was. It, it essentially has two large widgets on there. I think it said smart stacks, which I think comes from watch OS, right? The smart stack idea. That's like the the... You know, the notifications and stuff that you can scroll through and react act to and interact with. Those sort of widgety things, I think. I think smart stacks came out uh, across iOS and watchOS. Um, I don't think that they were on iPadOS until now, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that because we skipped over um, or maybe we hadn't gotten to the Siri uh, and, and some other minor sort of changes around Um Having, well, they did go downstairs to the to the to reveal the iPad OS or iPad, yeah, iPad OS seventeen, and that's when Craig was running. Right, but it, there were two more things on iPhone OS that or iOS that that I wrote down. One one was offline maps. You can now download a mm-hmm. map to mm-hmm. your phone from Maps, uh, so when you're out and about, you can look at it, which is pretty useful. And the other one that I think is going to make this a killer app for many people out there is the Photos app will now recognize your dog or your cat. That's a right. big deal for a lot of people. As as a person, mm-hmm. you mean, or, or the poses? Well, you know, in the same way that Photos can recognize, hey, that's Tim, or that's Jaime. Now, now oh. it can recognize Rover or Snowball. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, or, yeah. Mac. or Mac. That's, that's a Mac. tricky one to recognize, you know, your schnauzer, yeah. not a schnauzer. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
Yeah, well, mine recognizes Mac because I, I basically put them into a Mac uh, um, album. So anyway, cool. Yeah, I miss that. You, you know, I, I was doing a lot of like fast forwarding and replaying stuff to sort of get the context of some of the stuff I was interested. I'm sure I missed some parts as I as I skipped forward, right, mm-hmm. to catch up with the live broadcast. Yep. Cool. Yeah, because like Jaime, I was in and out of meetings and things were going on and stuff, right? Um, so iPad OS 17 widgets and the lock screen, and they're interactive. Yeah, now you can you can act back. You send information back to your app now instead of just displaying information from it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did talk about it in the in the keynote. I think it either came out of Platform State of the Union or I possibly read this on Twitter that it it's an interesting model for interactivity where it's doing an intent back to your app. So it's not like your app is there running live and doing stuff. It still works in the very sort of battery conscious like. You know, cash, cash, cash as much as you can. Don't run things for realsies unless you have to. It sounds like that's the case here. Of you know, if you've got a button like they showed for the was it like the birds, the various birds, like oh, I need to feed this bird or or give them water. You, you tap the button. My understanding is that sends an intent back to your app to deal with that, and then I think you vend out a new um, is it activity or something? I forget what you what you vend back, but you know what I mean, right? You got a little timeline of yeah things that it shows. Yeah. And you can change the lock screen on the iPad, which is the one feature of my phone that I dislike the most. Is the same with my watch. I don't like it when when it all of a sudden decides it wants to change the layout on my on my screen. Mm, yeah. Um, and they have that. You can now do that. Yeah, on I find iPad. that more annoying than useful, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, especially on the watch. Well, you don't wear a watch, but yeah, if you cross your arms on a watch, sometimes you trigger it. And anyway, so we'll move on. That's not like I think. Uh, Jaime, you haven't said whether you like or dislike that feature or not. I I like the feature of being able to change. It just triggers a little too easily accidentally. Like you you definitely want users to fall into a pit of success, but um, you you don't want them to be trapped there like it's quicksand either. So that that has hit me a little bit. I'm like, what is going? To, oh, I guess I. Uh, what held down for slightly too long on the lock screen and it decided oh you want to update this and change it like no i really don't um, but you know changing out widgets yeah, and etc i don't do super frequently but i do like the fact that i don't have to go find the one little settings place to do it like if there's anything about the accidentally triggering it's like i'll just mash this for a little bit <laughs> i know eventually it'll happen so that'll be what i want yeah, like me, I I end up. I think I have like six lock screens on my phone, even though I only really want one. I have got a couple of widgets on there, like a calendar and a you know clock, and and I've got my because I work with teams in Chicago. I have a, a Chicago clock on my on my face, as well as my you know Toronto time, right? And my activities, and then the weather. That's pretty much all I want. And the notifications at the bottom, and it changes, you know, frequently. But yeah, I I, I think it should be yeah, like you said, or said I. I would think it would be a better execution if it was like a setting. You went into the settings app and you chose to design your screen, which I think we talked earlier about the um, contact card, right? That's going to be something you li- you'll be able to design yourself, right? And put your Memoji on there or whatever you want to do, right? Mm-hmm. Live activities. What do we have to say about that? I mean, it's good to to have them extend out to the iPad um, and see how the you know they talked about realistic things you might care about like you know when's my food delivery coming from uber eats yeah um you know what's going on with the latest scores with mls because you know that's on apple tv plus 
you can get the season pass and everything. Uh, and my notes say multiple timers, quote, we truly live in an age of wonders. Yeah. Mr. Federico yeah. said that was yeah. <laughs> just a, a nice little nod at the, uh, the longtime complaint about uh, how many timers can you have in the year 2023? Yeah, more than one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they kind of Sherlocked one of the features I was going to put into iPad countdown, but oh well. <laughs> but health ca- health app on the iPad, I think, is is big. I, I've occasionally I've gone like a fool looking for the health app on my mm-hmm. iPad, and only to find out it doesn't exist. Along with the right. calculator, um, the calculator. Yeah, What's that? Yeah. yeah. No, I have PCalc. I use uh, PCalc, okay, the official okay. calculator of the Modern Just Code podcast. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, I'm good. <laughs> but you're right. We still don't have a calculator after all these nope. years, right? Nope. Or even an adding machine, like an abacus, something, you know? I would like them to add an abacus before they add the calculator just to make it, like, just just putting a little bit of, of salt in the wound. Like, you might as well, because it feels <laughs> like the lack of a built-in calculator on iPad feels like some weird political battle or some principal thing or somebody lost a bet and now until they pass on or move to a new career like there will not be a calculator on the ipad like somebody has staked their you know their their sort of livelihood and or Steve Jobs last position Steve Jobs on this last words there shall not be a calculator <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly maybe maybe yep so yeah, and then PDFs. I guess uh, they're um, adding more functionality to PDF handling and live collaboration. Um, that's that's pretty huge, actually. So when yeah, you're editing another your PDF, time when they mentioned machine learning. Yeah, they mentioned machine learning that can identify fields that you can fill in. Yeah, live collaboration, like you said, um, mm-hmm. and you can sign. You can now sign with uh, your Apple Pencil, which is something you can't do in Adobe Acrobat, but. Um, I mean, you can, but it's it's awkward because uh, I've been last last year. I got a whole bunch of insurance applications, and I constantly was filling out PDFs, and it was a real pain in the butt. Yeah, I mean, identifying fields fields for autofill, you know, scanning documents, camera, and making signature using ones like a lot of these feel kind of like what we had on macOS, but it's nice to see it go to the iPadOS as well. Um, the Notes app letting you have. Um, PDFs sit inside of notes and keeping multiple PDFs in the same note seems really nice and that it doesn't become this like bouncing between these things. Keep it, you know, all sort of contained together is nice. The real time updates with collaboration. And uh, I knew this one, I underlined this one. I said, like, Mark definitely loved the stickers and images for collaborations <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That one got him yeah, to, like, yeah. you know, you know, I scream out in, in, in that one and cheer. In yeah. ecstasy and just, yeah. like, make yeah. everybody feel very awkward yeah. in, the, uh, in the keynote <laughs> audience. Yeah. Just how boisterously he was enthusiastic about these exactly. stickers. Did the, did the crowd go ooh and ah at points in the thing? Or? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Like they used to do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just, just like the live event, I guess that's what that's what that... That's all yeah. about, Mark. Uh, uh, some um, one of you guys on the on the Slack channel commented that you missed the crowd noise, and I was thinking, oh no, it's there it is. So what are you talking about? But I, I you know, I, uh, yeah, we weren't piping it through for you guys, sadly. Yeah, no, no. Well, we used to, yeah, we used to get it in live events. You could hear right. it, right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, but this is a canned event, right? So, and then we have, uh, I think we're moving on. Oh, there's one more thing: stage manager. It's back. Back with a vengeance. Size and positioning is what I wrote for that one. Mm -hmm. And I think stage manager in how sort of doggedly Apple 
sort of hung on to it makes a little bit more sense to me in light of the Apple Vision Pro. Like I hundred percent, I kind of feel like yeah. oh, that was sort of the the dumbed down version of what the Apple Vision Pro needs. And so they need so, you know, a foundation. It's funny, it's funny because uh, when I spoke to Daniel Steinberg a couple of mo- couple of weeks ago, he had said that a lot of time Apple will introduce something that makes little sense. And you look at it and you go, why did they do that? And then two years later, some new thing comes along and it makes total sense. Yeah, I have so once- classic example. Classic example of that. Uh, in this live demo of the some of the uh, Vision Pro things, they showed as part of Reality Composer the particle generator machine that you can use to design your particle generators, and it was exactly the same one that they introduced into was it Scene Kit? You know, ten years ago, and oh, Sprite Kit probably. Uh, no, it was Scene Kit. It was a three D one. Yeah. That's well. Oh, yeah. oh, oh! If it was in three D, yeah, sure. Yeah. But if it was two uh, D particles, that it could it could have been uh, yeah. Sprite uh, whichever one it was, but it was yeah, it was exactly thing. the same little tool. But now it lives in Reality Composer, and I was thinking it's like yeah, that even back then, ten years ago, they kind of had all this in mind. They were building the components, building the building mm-hmm. blocks for this thing ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, to me, like, and we'll get to that when we get to the Vision Pro, so you just stay tuned, folks. But, yeah, to me, I think the the, the Vision Pro is uh, a paradigm in terms of where they're going with it, not the actual device, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. We'll get, we'll get yeah, this is the version zero. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But... I, I, but I don't mean in terms of hardware, in terms of, in terms of what it's going to do for computing. Kind of like the iPhone has done for, you know, walking into telephone poles while you're walking down the street. Um, <laughs> Mac OS 14 gets a name. The crack team at uh, Apple came up with a name, Sonoma, which is the Wine Valley. So Sonoma, is, so the famous Wine Valley, when they when they talk about wine country, is Napa, right? Which is, which is Napa, north right, of San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, but Sonoma is also north of San Francisco and right next to Napa, but a little bit west of Napa. Right. Uh, and historically, you know, it used to be kind of the the second tier behind Napa in terms of wine country. But lately, it's it, it's it's up there as well. It's it's really good as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. So yeah, it sounds it's a good yeah. good sounding name. So I guess that's what sounds better than Napa right? for an operating system. I would say. So my autocorrect is messed up with me again. It says widgets to personalize Macs with an X. <laughs> Right, right. You can drag widgets onto your desktop. Widgets are back. They do go into the background when using main apps. The continuity for widgets. So you don't have to install them on your Mac. They can be, you know, in the proximate location of an iPhone. So that's mm-hmm. that's pretty neat. Um, I kind of wonder you put what... on your desktop apparently or something like that. Like I like I said, I haven't seen my desktop in years. It's been. I don't look at my desktop. Yeah, it really depends on your your sort of model, right? Like widgets have been sort of all over the place. You could have permanent sticky notes way back when, and then they said, no, you you go into a space, and then, no, you go into an overlay. So they're the, the on-again, off-again, you know, rom-com sort of couple that, uh, yeah. that happens. So this is the latest iteration. So then they got into the game stuff, right? Um, games back on the Mac, which I don't know if that's like... I, 
I gotta say, it looked pretty impressive, but it's. I still think it's, they're a long way away from from resting gaming away from the PC crowd. But so Jaime, you've got a few notes here on some of the games that they showed. Yeah, it's interesting they didn't talk about some of the things that people pointed out in our our Slack group, our Slack channel. So what they did mm-hmm. talk about was the game mode where you you sacrifice certain general performance computing characteristics to say no 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 you're in a game so you don't need to to worry about a whole bunch of multitasking because i'm only playing the game and you can just crank the um the the frequency at which you pull and check for bluetooth connectivity and you know any interactions there because you want to reduce latency on etc 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 right so reducing audio and input latency prioritize the game on the cpu and gpu um that's you know that's pretty cool uh flowing into that they brought out hideo kojima the director of uh of many konami games before you know he parted ways with that company and they showed off uh death stranding director's cut and so far this sort of falls into my sort of you know now yearly thing of saying you know last year's games today <laughs> as a sort of sad <laughs> sad take on the on the the world of triple a gaming on mac but some of the things that people have been pointing out is this, like, DirectX 12, um, is it like a migration utility or a compatibility layer? I haven't looked into the details, but if it's like, oh, if people are building stuff for PC and they don't have to spend any time at all on the much smaller Mac ecosystem to get something running and have it running well on the Mac, that might open up the opportunity to have today's games today. So, um, <laughs> okay. keep an eye out for that one i don't know why they didn't talk about that in in the keynote maybe they talked about it in the platform state of the union and i missed it but um gaming is a is an area where the mac continues to improve uh hardware wise and and sort of base software wise but i really want to see it improve on the gaming perspective the actual yeah, and metal three they talked about metal three and, and that whole importing your game into metal metal three is this we've had metal three before or this is a new iteration of metal do we know that i don't know yeah, I lost track of what version we were on Metal. Cool. And then they got some new tools for video conferencing with presenter overlays, and uh, you can have you can you can uh, recognize your gestures, your hand gestures. Uh, you can have, have reactions in the middle of the thing. You can put yourself, you can put your sli- yourself like a cutout of yourself on in the middle of the screen with your slide deck behind you or slightly in front of you kind of thing and all of these tools that they're adding in i wonder why they're adding all this video conferencing stuff in hmm what could be coming later on but uh these all work with teams and zoom and webex which is kind of cool like you know um you know i think some of the challenges you have when you're working in in zoom and i assume you guys work in zoom a lot but you know when somebody goes to hit share their screen you kind of get you can't right. see the speaker they become like a little tiny postage stamp in the corner mm-hmm. kind of thing and you can't see your team and you can't get their reactions and a lot of times what i end up doing is putting two two screens up and i move the the people over and i look at the grid view and um but yeah it sort of um makes it more interactive but kind of like you would want a conference talk to be recorded like where you can see the person talking as their code is showing up on the screen kind of as well right so kind of cool looking tool yeah they've they've got stuff that sort of fits in line where you know if you watch live streamers on twitch or recorded content for people programming and coding stuff on youtube you'll see a lot of the you know i'm a little 
circular bubble avatar sort of inlay. You have the, uh, I've been green screen matted out and I'm sort of seamlessly overlaid onto the content. This one, they go a little further in that they supposedly seamlessly take, you know, you and your background that's physically behind you and put the screen in between in a, in a thing that shouldn't be physically possible. Right. Um, Hmm. so that one's kind of neat. I, I'd like to see how, uh, hair inclusive they are because i noticed they don't have folks with my style of challenging hair so um you know that stuff gets better and better all the time i haven't seen any of those work well with my uh with my spikes but um having the the what is being presented preview in a little corner is kind of nice too because if you use zoom and teams and google meet and facetime it's kind of all over the place as to how various design teams those companies have decided how will you contextually understand what is being shared since you are no longer a participant in the meeting and now you're basically the host and having that little Mm -hmm. window of like okay cool like that's exactly what i expect you can see my face and you can see the content and you can see the correct content that i intended to share i think that's kind of nice to add that as a i assume an, an api or sdk for all of these video conferencing players to plug into yeah, and you don't have much written down about Safari, but they talk about how Safari is built on WebKit, um, and it's going to have more more support for pass keys, which is the new passwordless um, authentication. Um, but the, I think one of the cool things is you can share a key with, I guess, members of your family if you have that iCloud family sharing thing turned on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and now they've added profiles. So you can have, like, a work profile and a, and a home profile, and you, I guess you can switch the persona of your Safari experience based on, you know, whether you're at work or at home kind of deal, sitting on looking at the same Mac, that is, right? That's kind of cool. I'm doing more to continue the privacy march right so blocking trackers even more than they'd already do removing url trackers which is really nice if you're like me who gets you know interesting urls and like i want to share this with people at work but now i have to go manually remove everything after the question mark and including the question mark itself to remove all the trackers uh like a filthy animal except now safari (laughs) will automatically do that for me is the way i understand the removing url trackers uh, items. So that's pretty nice. Along with just rounding things out that uh, progressive web apps were not name dropped, but web apps installable is what they mean there. So web applications that run a little bit more like an app uh, that you right. having to actually cool. install yeah. an app itself. Kind of like dash code. Yeah, um, it is kind of in some ways. Yeah. 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 You can add them to the dock and and you can have like a confluent you can make yourself a confluence app and just by separating out that thing and stick it in your dock right that's kind of cool and then they threw over to ron ron huang who talked about audio and home adaptive audio i wrote down and yeah that seems really cool they they called it a uh, dynamic blend of their transparency feature and active noise cancellation so oh, this is on the airbuds right yeah yeah, so apparently it's going to be, uh, I believe it's only on the Pro models is what I think people were saying, but it is a feature sort of over-the-air update. You're not going to need to purchase a new set of AirPods Pro. Mm-hmm. That's pretty nice. Right. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, yeah, and even personalized volume to start learning your preferences, which, as an aside, I've you know kind of wondered, as a, as a naive user who doesn't understand how these things work, but I kind of would like a singular decibel 
max volume and typical volume for everything. Like it's kind yeah. of annoying of like, okay, I'm watching something, you know, on HBO max or max, I should say crank my mm. TV volume way up because it's stupidly low for whatever reason yeah. coming out of HBO content. And then if I switch over to YouTube, it's like, Oh, I better crank it all the way down. Cause that one is stupidly loud. And, and poor little me wonders, couldn't the TV itself handle this? It'd be like, look, man, I like, I don't know. I don't know decibel numbers. I like 65. Keep it at 65 no matter what. If you got a raised volume, you got a lower volume, I don't care. Keep it at that. But not a possible yeah, thing. It feels an, like there's an enough, thing. you know, digital signal <laughs> yeah, processing. Thing. I don't know why they haven't done it. It seems yeah. really trivial. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know why nobody does this. <laughs> or, yeah, or throw compression in it or something. So, speak, so sidebar here about, let's talk about audio for a minute because um, I... I I did spend some money this week on on some Apple hardware. I ended up buying an Apple TV 4K, the new, the third generation. And the reason why is this, right? So Xavier was over on the weekend before for WWDC, and I was talking about how I love the the Air, Apple TV sound on my HomePods. I got a stereo pair of HomePods in you know, the old, the big ones, right, in front of my Apple TV in my in the rec room. And he said, well, if you had the new um, if your TV supports ARC, and I can't remember what ARC stands for, but it's a it's a thing where um, you plug the, the 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 TV into the ARC. You use the ARC HDMI cable to go back, and what it does is is it will take the audio from the TV and play it back into the HDMI circuitry to your Apple TV, second generation or third generation that support this, and then it'll play out of your HomePod. So now I've got my cable box content and my Apple yeah. TV content playing out of my HomePods with you know the, the immersive sound and spatial audio and all that stuff that we get from that, right? Now that's, I'm, I'm so happy with that. So, so much so that um, we went on to Best Buy and found an open box uh, 128 gigabyte Apple TV third gen and I bought it and so now because um, Carol wanted to have she's been watching YouTube more she watches her shows on YouTube now um, so now we have four um, 4K Apple TVs in the house, as plus as well as my developer kit, which is up in the bedroom on the little tiny TV up there. But yeah, so that so using Arc, um, highly recommend if you're if you if you're watching boring old Blu-ray or or PlayStation audio or whatever, and you want to come out of your nice HomePods that you spent all that money on, uh, check out Arc. So only say only one of the ports on your HDMI ports on your TV will probably be an arc. So that's cool. End end of sidebar. Yeah. yeah. Are you still there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think next, and I, I broke these out sort of arbitrarily. Um, it sort of felt like, but I said, all right, AirPlay is kind of its own nice little category, right? So oh, for the hotels, yeah, yeah, playing it in hotels. Uh, I mean, granted, it's like not going to be your normal hotel. It's going to be the more expensive ones, um, at least to begin It won't with. be the HomePod audio, right? Yeah, but, you know, being able to do that and continue where you left off with stuff is, is pretty neat, so I appreciate that. Um, Apple Music, you know, share play, in-car play, you can join sessions, so uh, doing that for, you know, road trips with friends and family, that seems like a, a neat idea, or perhaps on the daily commute as you go back to the office. Um, and TVOS uh, has some nice uh, quality of life sort of things. So, you know, 
using your iPhone to locate the Siri remote because it fell in, in the couch cushions. <laughs> uh, Memory is a screensaver, which sort of blows my mind that that wasn't already there. I could have sworn it was. Yeah. Um, so kudos for that. It's, it's nice to put those up on the big screen. FaceTime for Apple TV with the continuity camera, which... You know, you, there's never a, there's never a bad time to have that. It's a good feature. Feels like a bummer that that didn't ship during the pandemic. You know, but you know, people always still live uh, away from family. People always still uh, are out on trips and etc. So, having a nice, um, you know, doesn't require you to buy an additional device that you wouldn't already have is kind of nice. So the question I have is, my mom has a second gen 4K Apple TV, which my sisters can never figure out because we don't have internet there anymore, but. Does that mean that that Apple TV could, in theory, um, be used for FaceTime for my mom? Because, you know, we, she's in a, in a home, and so we regularly have, like, a weekend visit where the, the four kids join via, you know, FaceTime and chat with her, right? Yeah, so that's a, that's a cool thing. Because, I mean, looking at a phone, she's, you know, she's older and she's got dementia, and so she really doesn't know who she's talking to and these little tiny postage stamps on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having something that's a little easier to use is kind of nice as well, right? Um, this is an area where Meta's portal uh, did you know, reasonably well. I'm not saying it, it uh, lit the world on fire, but it does sort of fit that, um, you know, elderly parents or grandparents kind of thing of like they, they kind of want an easy device to... FaceTime, because uh, that that's uh, kind of like Kleenex, right? It's a it's practically a generic term. So you know, FaceTiming the grandkids on your Facebook portal is uh, a thing I have actually heard in my family um, that uh, amuses me. But it like it helps me understand like ah, that's how they look at it. Dealing with this on the phone is way more complicated for a certain class of less technically savvy user. So making something where oh, they're calling, hit the green button. Great. Hit the red button when you want to stop. Great. It feels real nice to for them to have that. What's the continuity dev kit? I wrote that down, but I can't remember what it was for. Uh, it, it, right here at this part, because I I guess it would make sense as they were talking about continuity camera. Um, yes. Oh, okay. That's uh, what Zoom and WebEx adding, are on adding my notes. it to your apps. I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Probably sounds like that's what what Zoom and WebEx are using for uh, integrating into the Apple TV with continuity camera feature. Cool. Yeah, then we move over to the um, Apple Watch uh, redo, right? Watch OS 10, which has uh, widgets. Widgets are back uh, as mm-hmm. the sort of what successor to glanceable uh, faces or uh, glan- glances, maybe is what they were called way back in the day. Except now they're in a smart stack. You, use, you can use those for complications. You can do all sorts of things. You know, you've got uh, new watch faces with Snoopy and Woodstock doing uh, fun animated things. Uh, something related to cycling, where I probably took a bathroom break, because <laughs> all I wrote down was cycling, and uh, I, you can tell I don't cycle, Tim. Sounds like you do, so hopefully you have more notes. I have some notes on that. My 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 uh, manager, my director, is huge into cycling. He's a triathlete, right? FTP, I don't know what it stands for. It's not file transfer protocol, but apparently that's something really important to... to um, bike you know bike training and uh yeah so he's super super excited about having uh, the ability to pair your your phone and your as a as a sort of live activity monitor as well as your watch when you're in the middle of a workout and uh you can get bluetooth sensors for like you can 
I mean, I have a, an old analog one. It's like a little thing I put on the wheel of my, my bike, and it shows me the speed I'm traveling at and, you know, how far I'm going and that kind of stuff. So, But there are now, now um, they have Bluetooth sensors that people attach to their bikes with, you know, with little LED displays. But all that can get tied in together so you can, you know, you can have a better, more efficient workout, I guess, uh, with your with your tools, with your Apple Watch. A bit of Googling here, Tim. So FTP according to cyclingweekly.com, stands for Functional Threshold Power and is effectively a measure of the power you can hold for an hour measured in watts. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice and to know. It's got me interested because you mentioned file transfer protocol in an <laughs> app idea that is FTP for FTP where... Uh, the FTP works better or worse, depending on how much you pedal on your uh, on your cycle, right? Whether it's like a Peloton right, right. or other things. Oh no, I've got three terabytes to transfer. Uh, keep going, keep going. <laughs> I'm petering out. <laughs> you just gave me a great idea because my, my my fancy pr- fancy smancy iPhone Pro iPhone 14 Pro runs out of battery like around five o'clock in the afternoon. If I could cycle and charge my phone at the same time, that would be great, right? <laughs> there you go. With there you go. FTP. So there's there's an idea, of app idea, hardware app idea for people. Cool. Yeah, and then oh, this is what they talked about logging your emotions. Oh, okay, I was wrong about the journal thing. <laughs> this is the mental health part, I guess. The logging your emotional uh, feelings. But why would you do that on the watch? It doesn't make any sense. Um, I mean, it's got sensors on you to detect things about you and, and sort of trying to infer how you might be feeling, or at least just remind you things like the, was it the, the was it the breathe app or there, there's one yeah, of those mindfulness yeah. apps. It's like, Hey, yeah. time for you to take a break, you know, meditate if yeah. you want, clear your mind. Well, it's the same with the stand app, right? Like mm-hmm. the 10 to mm-hmm. 10 to the hour, but it's interesting because they can also, the, I guess there's some sort of some, I don't know, can't remember if you said it was some like ml kind of thing where it can uh trigger or report advise you whether you're in a a risk of depression based on uh, the logging you've been doing so they also continued to talk about the compass improvements like auto waypoints or the last cellular connection point that you had as well as sos carrier network waypoints so if you, you wander out into the wilderness and you're like oh my gosh i need to get connectivity where will i get connectivity that's a nice little thing to, to to help you out with that. We forgot to mention Snoopy and Woodstock. Oh, I did. Yeah, you mentioned them earlier. Yeah. I did, did mention you? them. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did. Okay. All right. Okay. I missed it. Um, but the other thing is the the vision help is really cool. The uh, the risk the preventing the risk of myopia for kids who are not getting enough daylight. So on the kid's phone, it can you know report to the parents whether the kids should be outside or inside watching you know playing with their their iPads. Um, because it measures the amount of daylight you've experienced and also uh, can trigger you or tell you to, um, if you're if you're viewing the iPad screen or the phone screen too closely, to move away from it. That's kind of cool. And, and will it tell you if they're spending too much time in an immersive virtual reality? I wonder. I don't know. <laughs> Well, you know, there, there, there's, there's limits, and we'll talk about that. Right. It's a teaser coming up for you, folks, very soon about the, the, uh, the limits to the, the new device. So, yeah, that was the end of the keynote, right, Jaime? It would be, it would be if uh, you know. Normally, it ends with Tim. You know, starts with Tim, ends with Tim. He, Tim came back out and was real excited for one more thing that uh, 
you know, they haven't overused that one, so that's that's good. They are a little picky and choosy on it. And I think this is quite valid because the one more thing was the Apple Vision Pro, the the headset that has been long rumored and and fairly well teased in the days immediately preceding the uh, the event. But even then, well, there was uh, there's definitely some cool stuff in here. It's a phone. It's an internet. It's a oh, oh, iPod. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely had the three the three sort of symbols set up, and I was thinking about whether that lined up, uh, you know, completely. And it didn't quite, but it was definitely echoing the uh, the iPhone reveal. So this was the this was the big the thing that everybody's been talking about for months now. Um, the uh, the Vision Pro regarding Vision OS and with a ton of sensors on the front and ton of sensors on the inside with eye tracking and all kinds of other really amazing things and you're it, it this is this is what i was talking about the paradigm shift was that tim cook made a, a made a point of saying this is introducing spatial computing right which is the minority report you know uh stuff that we've we've you've seen in sci-fi movies where people are moving screens around with their hands um you know using their eyes to to track using their voice to communicate so um as i mentioned before uh, marcus brown lee was talking about how um you can you know you you use your your, your gestures to to uh, move things around on the screen you touch your your thumb and your index finger together to do a click for example um you don't actually turn your head to look at a document in virtual space you just look at it with your eyes and the eye tracking kind of moves around the the content in front of you um yeah so lots of lots of things to talk about in this thing right so um where do we start i may i think Right up front, because there was a lot of sort of rumors going into this of like, you know, is this VR? Is it AR? And I think it's it's an augmented reality headset. It's not a VR headset, so it's not a sort of perfect analogy or competitor to something like Meta's Quest or formerly Oculus Quest, nor HTC Vive, because those are virtual reality ones. It's actually a lot closer to something like. Um, Microsoft's HoloLens, and if you really stretch it, maybe Google Glass, but it's a little bit closer to HoloLens in that this is meant to be, yes, it's portable, but portable in sort of the the MacBook Air sort of way of like take it somewhere, sit down or be still and use it, as opposed to being a bit more mobile, like Google Glass was meant to be, you know, walking around town, going to the bathroom, using the shower, whatever it is, a lot more closer to a, a mobile phone sort of mobility. So that sort of cuts through a lot of the what is this? It can because I can already sort of sense people shaking their fists at the uh, at the podcast. Um, you can simulate a VR type environment, but that's not really what it is. It's really more of an augmented reality sort of headset and that will probably be a little bit more important but it is it. using a lot of the techniques and the motifs from virtual reality and things that you think of as virtual reality like having you know having you being immersed in this world with your data or with your media uh it, it is using those same concepts just in an ar format so it is kind of new in that sense right right yeah, like you can have your 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 
multiple windows. You can ha- you can look at your Mac, and then the Mac uh, appears as a as a monitor floating in front of you. If you want to go to watch a movie in a theater, you can you can see the screen in front of you as if you're in a theater. Turn the digital dial to dial back the the surrounding uh, world around you, and just like as if you're sitting in a movie theater, right? So with with blackened walls, or you can bring your environment back in by just turning the, the dial the other way. So so it is it is kind of like you know, uh, and you can have like you know, if people walk up to you, you can interact with them. Um, it magically just sort of realizes that as they come into the your space that uh, the the it uh, doesn't occlude them from what you're seeing on the screen. So you can see you know that they're handing you something or they're yelling at you or something like that, right? Some interesting things about it uh, is is the sort of spatial video and, and uh, the fact that I think that, it, that I mentioned before that it's got eye sensors that track your eye. Um, for people like me who wear glasses, there it apparently does come with Zeiss lenses. I was a little worried about the Zeiss lenses being a, an add-on, like the $1,000 monitor stand. Um, but um, from what I'm been able to gather from the two two people I know who have reviewed it. Um, they, it comes with the lenses, and Paul Hudson, for example, has a, a very strong prescription. He was saying, and he was able to pop in the lenses and and correct for his vision. Um, for the spatial audio, it does a thing. Uh, it has sensors on it that does um, what they call audio ray tracing, where it goes and maps the objects in the room and optimizes the audio for to give you the sense that you're still in that same space, kind of listening to the stuff. So. Uh, a lot of really cool, cool, cool things. Um, the one comment about it that that uh, that I had heard too is that it's made of metal and glass, so it is heavy as a device, and that's one of the reasons why they they put the they tethered the the battery on a separate pack, right? So it you know you put it in your pocket or whatever because that would have added more weight to the device. But the one thing about the that the the one shortcoming that I've been hinting at is two hour battery life. Right, which is kind of, you know, that means you're not sitting down to watch Lord of the Rings kind of thing, dual deal, right? So, but you can. It does have a USB, so you can actually plug the plug the battery pack in and uh, and charge it. I, I didn't quite see. I think it only runs off the battery pack. I don't didn't get a sense that it has like a hydro power you plug into the wall or whatever. But you are tethered to power in a sense, right? Yeah, I, th- I think the the battery pack is the part that connects to the wall if you're using it connected for, for quote, all-day usage, which kind of makes sense on the surface of it. Um, Tim, you might have missed the the discussion in the Slack channel of, like, having a Chewbacca-style bandolier of battery battery, packs if you're concerned about uh, being out and about and wanting to watch the the full director's cuts of uh, extended editions of Lord of the Rings. I'm sure Amazon will come along with a battery on a little cart that you pull around behind you with batteries on wheels or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like a big turtle shell on your back for uh, for battery. Yeah, Just wait for V2. So M2 silicon chip and they've added an R1 chip which does the sensor processing. That's just the new sort of thing. And it's running, it's not, it's not it's not a screen. It's not a display. It's actually running Vision OS. It has its own operating system, and that means that you know, as developers, we'll be able to write apps for it. Part of, the, I guess, the disappointing part is that you know, because some of us want it today, kind of thing, right? Um, it's not coming out until early next year, which isn't that long away. Um, it was pointed out to me today, but but that also gives developers time to write software for it because currently it only has the Apple apps on it, right? Obviously, because of the only people that are working on it, right? 
So I had it. It's got a cool experience. Like, you know, I think like if you want to start typing, you know, uh, the virtual keyboard pops up uh, or you can use a, you know, a Bluetooth keyboard and a, and a trackpad if you're, you know, if you want to do like your, your Mac computing thing. So technically you could be doing Xcode with this thing on, right? Um, we haven't got Xcode on the iPad, but we've got Expo- Xcode running on, on the, the Vision Pro, which is kind of cool, right? I think. And it's it's funny because, uh, like Mark was saying earlier, um, it's it's put making the case for for Swift UI, for Reality Composer Pro, for Reality Kit, and for AR Kit. These t- technologies that they've been working on for the last little while, and sort of sewing them all together into a single device, right? And this isn't something they've been working on for the last six months. This is something they've been working on for the last five years, right? You know, I did say there's going to be a new brand brand new app store, but the, I guess the one question is: Do we know if we're going to be able? To, I'm sure. I'm so sure. I'm assuming we're going to be able to charge for these apps because these. This is not going to be a consumer level device. It's going to be for the the more affluent uh, Mac users and iPhone users out there, right? It's not. It's like cause, cause the consumers. Yeah, I'm not sure what you mean, but but uh, no, I think I think the the reason for the high price point, and I might have mentioned this earlier, is that Apple does not want everyone to buy this they're putting this out so everyone can see it but but and they know a few people are going to buy it but if everyone went out and bought one tomorrow the experience would be terrible because as you said there are no apps uh and the hardware is clunky and the battery is bad so they don't want they don't want you to buy it (laughs) they want you to want to buy it (laughs) for a year and then when the two thousand dollar one comes out next year and there's a lot of of an ecosystem then you will buy it that's what that's what they want. So this isn't for anyone except, you know, there's a few early adopters out there who will buy everything. Yeah, I'll drive the I'll drive the, buff, I'll drive the Buffalo and get one. Yeah, I can't I can't buy yeah. them in Canada, right? They're mm-hmm. not. I mean, I can probably order them, but they're not going to be yeah. at the. And apparently, you have to go and you know have get it a fitting with the, yeah. with the lenses and all that stuff. Yeah, right? so yeah. It's yeah. kind of like the watch was on day one. You had to make an appointment. Right. And, right. All that kind of stuff. I mean, it's still that way. If you if you buy something from the app store these days, like you still you like I, I my M one, I decided to pick it up at the store. I had to make a you know a fifteen minute window in which time I could get down and 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 pick it up. Right? Yeah, they did that even for cables, which is kind of silly. But anyway, <laughs> do they these days? Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe that was a COVID thing. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I've yeah. I, I still love the the self checkout thing that they do. They had Bob Iger from Disney Talk, but I kind of I kind of tuned yeah. him out. But he didn't say a whole lot. Basically said, yeah, we're all in on it. Stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I guess that was the yeah. big name that they got in there to, yeah. to help out. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff sort of makes sense of what they showed of like Disney Plus and 3D space. They show you being on. Yeah. Uh, I think it was maybe Tatooine and, and being kind of immersed in watching an episode of Mandalorian. That's sort of basic stuff. Uh, sports with extras of like you know not only am I watching the NBA finals but I'm seeing how my fantasy team is doing relative to that or etc 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 stats um, the uh, court view replay it, I assume needs arena style implementation to make that work but that's pretty cool to see it you know what would happen in 3D is if you were sitting there in the stands the National Geographic underwater adventure 
Movie is a fine choice, but I feel like, you know, what's even better? Avatar The Way of Water, <laughs> because that will never <laughs> be as good at home on your 2D device. Well, I want to uh, land on Mars. What are you talking about, right? I want I want to go to Mars. I want to I want to float around in in the space station. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, Mickey Mouse in AR. Well, unfortunately this thing won't give you artificial gravity. <laughs> no, <laughs> it won't make you weightless. No. <laughs> uh Disney World in AR, uh the Marvel's What If didn't go super far, but they, you know, they were sort of rounding out their their major properties. So it made sense. So they do they do have the Harry Potter style 3D pictures and they do have the Harry Potter style, you know, 3D immersive video. Of course, you know, the criticism I've heard is this, is this goofy dad, you know, at the kid's birthday party wearing this helmet when all the kids going to remember is my dad was wearing this goofy helmet. Right. But, um, but taking, you know, taking a video of this experience, you know, again, so he could share it with grandma or whatever um, later on kind of thing. Right. So mm-hmm. it's it's a weird thing. I, I want to sort of interject there because I did see Bill Pool uh, poking fun at that. And I can't help but think, you know, sweet summer children, how you have been so spoiled by, you know, 4K quality cameras, you know, in your pocket that you can just pull out at a moment's notice. You didn't grow up with people carrying around, you know, camcorders and Super 8s and other things where, like, it used to be, you know, bear with me, children. It used to be that having a camera and taking pictures was a pre-planned sort of thing. Hey, kids, you know, stop running around for a sec. Let's take some family photos here at your birthday party. So it would be, you know, nonsense for this, you know, uh, scenario of the dad who's like, you know, if he keeps the thing on with his bandolier of battery packs consistently during this event, yeah, like, what's up with dad? Dad's got a problem. If he says, hey, this seems like a critical moment, I would love to capture this, that's what people should have in mind, right? They should have that in mind. Would it be great if, uh, you know, like the iPhone could do it? Sure would, but did you notice how... The number of cameras this thing has means it's kind of like you've got a spider's face on your own face. <laughs> like, imagine, imagine, you know, we make fun of the, oh, you know, they keep adding cameras to the back of this phone is going to cause p- problems for people who have issues with dots and holes. I'm like, yep, be even worse if your complete back of your iPhone was filled with uh, how many how many cameras is it? It's like eight to twelve cameras. I, I had a note here. Really? Right, wow. It's a lot. It's just an absurd. Wow, I don't have the exact. It's an absurd number. A, a larger number than you would ever seriously want to put on the phone. Yeah, and it's got this weird sort of. A couple of weird things is is you have, you map your face with the with the uh, the uh, infrared beams to make a virtual avatar of yourself because when you're going to be how people are going to see you on a Zoom call is not going to see you wearing a helmet. They're going to see a sim- simulacrum of your like a 3D rendered a 3D memoji. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, 3D Memoji, exactly. Persona, they called it, right? That's even the Memojis were part of this whole grand scheme of the yes. last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, all, it's all coming back to you, Mark. All of yeah. it, all of, except for one tablespoon. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, yeah, 100% correct. I mean, the the weirdness. I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's a weird one, I think, uh, for me. Um, but also the OLED, like, it's not actually. Um, translucent right it's um they have this sort of ver- visual version version of yourself i guess the the cameras on the inside 
are scanning your eyes and projecting an image of your eyes onto the outside. So it looks like the person looking at you is actually seeing your eyes. Um, That's interesting. I don't think any other other, uh, vendor would have thought of doing that or or expensive it, but it is kind of weird. I don't know if that would... uh, It is a little weird. I agree. Would that really survive the 2.0, 3.0 version of this thing, right? So... Yeah, that uh, that felt a bit much. I, I see what they were going for of like, you know, the fact that again, not a full VR keeping you out of the real world thing. This is a adding stuff into the real world, and if you have gone into a focused mode, the real world can poke through, so other people can come close, and they sort of semi-transparent, translucent. I'm not sure the right word. They sort of poke through the fog, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. and they can see what appears to be your eyes to know that you can see them back as opposed to the, um, I don't know, HomePod-esque swirling cloud of, of rainbow color if you're fully immersed in something and, and won't see them poking through. So, See, what I want to know is can I can I present the 30-year-old version of myself with long hippie hair, you know, instead of what I look like now. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and I mean, that's coming. I'm sure that's coming, right? You know? Interesting like, you went there. I, I, I went the direction of um, the very tail end of Michael Jackson's Thriller music video yeah. where you got the, you know, the, the evil eyes kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, like you, you make yourself look uh, completely different than than you do, which is kind of what you can do now with emojis. Like, you can, you can just make yourself whatever you think you want to look like, right? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, interesting device. So, it I mean, it's funny p- though. Like, it's funny you joke. You joked, Mark, earlier about about the. I mean, I had uh, the first version of the PowerBook back in the nineties. You know, the, mm-hmm. the not the M one hundred, but I had the one forty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I had the first color one eighty C, and then I had you know I had Newtons. Of obviously, I had like a Newton one hundred. I had the you know the two the one twenty the one thirty. Um, I had Palm Pilots, I've had Blackberries, I had the first iPhone 1.0, I've had, you know, then I've had an iPhone ever, si- ever since. Um, I own a Mac Cube, um, I've, you know, I didn't have it when it was new, but I, I acquired it. Um, yeah, so my brain says, no, I'm not buying this thing, but I know I will <laughs> buy one, right? And At some point, you will buy one. I'll pu- I'm telling you, I'm driving to Buffalo on day one. <laughs> Yeah. How about you? What do you think? I mean, like going into it, like, you know, when Daniel Steinberg and I were talking, he's easier older than me and the two of us were talking about it. And it's like, this is not a device for me. Right. And we hoped at the time that they weren't going to spend all of WWC on it. Um, out of 175 sessions, they've got 40 yeah. on this particular That's device. That's a lot. Right? Which, it's almost 25%. But it's, yeah. But, you know, um, what do you what would what do you sit on it right now, Mark? Like, is this like you don't have a watch, or you're going to have a Vision Pro? And then what about you, Jaime? Oh, I will absolutely not buy this first version. Yeah, I might buy yeah. the second version, but I will absolutely not right. buy the first version. How about you, Jaime? I'm kind of in the same boat where I started out is no because the the 3500 US was um, a lot, and then 
as they sort of kept going on in the platform state of the union, I started thinking, maybe, maybe I could convince myself. <laughs> so maybe I am in a, in a version two sort of thing or, um, a different model. So this is called the vision pro, I believe for reasons that Mark, I think hinted at here of like, it's not meant to be the SE model. This is not the cheapo version. You get, um, you get the iBook version of it soon, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is the, the, I mean, I guess they could make a uh, a Max or Ultra version if they wanted to use that sort of nomenclature, but it's pretty close to the top end of what they're going to have of where it sits. Of early adopter, you've got specific use cases. This isn't a oh, I'll just buy you know a half dozen of these and pass them out to family sort of thing, um, or uh, take them camping. It's like no, no, no. Like this is this is a bit more like the way that computers used to be, where it was a big deal to have a computer in every household which is it just seems silly now like, what, do you, what do you mean one computer i could look in this room and find more than that uh yeah i'm, I'm looking at three of them right now yeah yeah, yeah exactly um i think you know it will get there Four, uh, if this is <laughs> if this is successful um you can see you know i can read between the lines of some of the things they've got you know for the hardware um, there's some really impressive things like, you know, the single piece of 3D formed and polished glass and stuff. I'm like, that's cool. You know, the, the modular system for face shapes. Yeah, that's cool. The Zeiss lenses for, uh, or inserts, I guess, for vision correction. But then it's like, oh, wait, so you can replace the cushioning and the bands. I'm like, oh, so this could be like watch bands. You will see people with like, I'm a, you know, I'm a streamer. I have this and purple color, this pink yeah. color, this, yeah, Amazon blue color, you know, whatever it is, get those, uh, the pride color, you know, uh, you know, all those sorts of things. I'm like, I can already see that you wouldn't want it on the Vision Pro, but you could see that the interlocking system and how easy that would be to change would be useful for the sort of every person mainstream models of this in the future. Yeah, and we don't have a killer app yet. I mean, I mean, uh, other than the concept of spatial computing, which I talked about before, there isn't really, there isn't really the thing that's going to knock this. Like, like you know, the the watch kind of floundered along for a little while because until it found itself. I mean, the, the iPhone is not simply just an iPod, an internet device, and a phone. It's it's like it's completely transformed. It's transformed the three of us in terms of what we do for a living every day, right? We don't, you know, this what we do today. I mean, except for you, Mark, maybe closer to, to the reality. But um, I wasn't planning on develop, being a de- full-time developer when, or you know, involved in it full-time when when the fir- first phone came out, right? So where this um, device is going to take computing in general or, you know, that kind of experience in general, it's hard to say, right? I think... You know, we need a tiering system for success. So, you know, uh, as with every Apple product, there there always flops and failures, no matter how well they do. That's just the the rocks that people throw from the peanut gallery. Yeah. Just to mix some metaphors there, I think if you start at the bottom tier of success, um, I don't feel bad at all saying that the Apple Watch is a success. It is a change the industry, um, the tech industry kind of success. So it's kind of like the lowest possible tier that, that Apple can can deal with. Then you have the iPad, which is more of a success than the watch. It's kind of a, you know, it might be a bit of a stretch, but I think it's a change the world kind of success for the iPad. And it's, you know, the into the stratosphere success is, of course, the iPhone, which is the, you know, human history changing kind of success. Right. Like it, it truly does belong in one of the like 
you know, best inventions that humanity have ever come up with sorts of things mm-hmm. um, or, or best products, if you feel better about that. Where will the Vision Pro fall? Um, right now, I'd be betting money more on Apple Watch style success. Like to your point, Tim, like, there's a lot of nice things that they talked about here. A lot of nice, you know, app ideas. I didn't see one myself that made me say, "Holy smokes!" Absolutely, obviously, I'll throw down thirty five hundred dollars. So I don't think it has a killer app. I think it has a, a series of good idea apps. Not that not that different than the watch, right? Watch kind of took a while to find its footing of like, why would the average person get this? What is it they will have? And it sort of meandered its way into, oh, uh, health and notifications is kind of its, its main thing. It's a nice niche. So I, I think the Vision Pro will fall um, more into the Apple Watch level of success, which means by most company's measures would be you know an astounding huge success to be getting you know all sorts of praise but because it's apple it's gonna it's gonna be looked at the, as the doom and tim cook should be immediately drummed out and fired sort of a silly nonsense yeah. that people talk about <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is an interesting thing like but like as we expected apple didn't you know you know tiptoe into this arena they they strode in you know they they looked at all of the things that that other companies could do and it's again going back to the video i watched earlier from marcus Brunley, he he said you know it's it doesn't compare to other things i mean you know you you could say it's similar it's similar to the oculus but it does things that that doesn't do right um the fact that it you know it it works with your environment that you're actually in it works with your 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 facial facial reactions it scans your eyes it has the whole you know um no haptics though that was one thing he he, he uh, commented on but um but yeah the fact that you know you you uses your gestures you can you can speak to it you can type on a virtual keyboard or an actual keyboard so they've they've kind of thought about a whole lot of different things to make this um sort of a in apple's way it's sort of a viable product but who knows i mean I hope it's not one of the road apples that's out there, right? You know, uh, like the Power CD player or the, you know, the, the Apple Cube or <laughs> the Mac Cube, um, you know, that are kind of one-offs, you know? Or the HomePod. But, well, I guess yeah. they came out, came out with the new HomePod eventually, didn't they? HomePod, yeah, when they just came they just came out with the HomePod with the fancy screen on top now, too, right? Yeah, that's true. They that's brought true. back the, the big format. Yeah, you know? that's true. Or, or that you know that that uh, big Bose speaker that they had. I mean, that was another one that kind of you you, you just stick your your um, iPod on the top of it with the thirty two pin connector and yeah. But uh, yeah, interesting stuff. All right. Well, WWC isn't just a keynote; it's also other things. We haven't got, really got a, a session on the uh, State of the Union planned. Um, I put a couple of. Um, sessions that i've gone to in the last couple of days uh or sort of watched in the last couple of days um we can rattle them off and talk about some of the highlights if you like what do you think best stuff 10 keep it to 10 <laughs> each one we talk about we reduce the count by one <laughs> <laughs> so all right um do we want to touch on things like swift data or no we're just gonna that feels like it belongs in top 10 for, to me um we we talked about in the preview show we said wouldn't it be nice if there was a core data for Swift UI that worked really well and didn't have the weird sort of you know hoops you had to jump through to get it to play nicely? And boy, it sure seems to. I haven't actually seen the sessions on this. I've been sort of 
uh, in between meetings and stuff, looking at, at tweets and quick little blog posts of people showing stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this is nuts. Like it, it feels so much more lightweight uh, in terms of handling of the core data, but it's really core data and iCloud syncing under the covers, right? They didn't toss all of it out. It seems like they gave a nice polished interface that works really well with Swift and Swift UI. And it's based on the new um, observation the session I've got here, discovery observation in SwiftUI. Kind of, that's kind of the, the, uh, an entry point or sort of sidebar on uh, SwiftUI, because it, it literally is instead of the the schematic scheme editor. I forget what they call it. The uh, the traditional place where you go and set up your models is gone. You basically describe a class and then you you use the uh, the new macro at um, model yeah. and it automatically creates that for you in the background, right, Mark? Yeah, more than anything else, it's it's an example of macros in action because really, really all it's doing, I believe, uh, is giving you a very nice macro on top of all of the boilerplate that you always write that so you don't have to write any of that. So, so it's, it's just an abstraction layer on top of everything, of all the stuff that, the messy stuff that you always have to do. Uh, and combining that with the, the, the big problem with core data always in the modern world, in my opinion, is that it was still in the old, everything is a class and is mutable, uh, way of thinking about things. And Swift UI is the opposite extreme is everything is a struct and is immutable. Uh, so, so it's kind of bridging that gap. So you used to always have to write a layer right in between. To, if you want to use it for things like SwiftUI or even modern concurrency, you always have to write a, a layer to convert from your your heavy uh, core data objects to to some lightweight representation of each of them that that are just lightweight, disposable, immutable thing. And this is doing that for you is what I is what it seems to me. Yeah, and so the the I think the best session I saw today, and because and I I'd say it's the best session because I understood like twenty five percent of it is a it's about a half an hour long. It's called Expand on Swift Macros, and in the middle of that talk, he goes through and breaks down how Swift you how Swift is structured in terms of how things are put together. Um, you know, like, like, uh, like, forget the, the terminology he used, but, um, definitely if you, if you, uh, want to learn, first of all, learn about macros, obviously, because it, it's sort of, I think it's where, like Mark was just saying that we're going. Um, but yeah, he breaks down the whole sort of, um, um, to me, like I could see the structure of, uh, some of the, some of the sort of mysteries, uh, that, that kind of make all this stuff a bit magical. Uh, he kind of breaks it all down into logical, this is how it's structured under the hood. And if you dig into this and you dig into that, like even down to like, you know, um, tokens that are used for curly braces and the, the content inside the curly braces and how they break out into the values and stuff like that. So, um, Definitely, I recommend uh, that. Would, I would put that expand on Swift macros in in my top ten session as well. Um, and it again, it all ties in again with uh, observation and uh, and uh, Swift data stuff, right? So, 
Um, there was a session that was kind of interesting. This is totally not a developer session. It's called Design with Swift UI, and it's for the designers in the crowd, showing them how they can use uh, all the tools that are now in Xcode to uh, work on their UI, to work on, you know, they can actually create UI and test it on on the actual phones or on the watches, if they're doing a watch layout, that kind of stuff. So uh, kind of an interesting session on, on how... Um, SwiftView has has empowered them to be able to create designs without having to, you know, get the engineers to do it. And at the end of it, if you do it well enough, you can actually uh, possibly ship it. They do imply that at the end of the co- end of the conversation. But the two two presenters are actually designers at Apple, which I thought was kind of an interesting session. So I yeah I watched you know design with SwiftUI. Uh, I watched you know meet Swift Swift data, build an app with Swift data, which is a walkthrough on converting a regular app into a Swift data app. Um, model your schema in Swift data, which is how the sort of scheme scheming the overlay, I guess, of the or the abstraction of of the boilerplate works. Um, and then, of course, I dug in with the expand on Swift uh, macros. I'll probably have to watch that expand on Swift macros several times to get it all into my head. But so I'd recommend those those talks. Anything anything stand out beyond those ones for you guys or that you've seen? Well, the, the what's new in, in UI Kit one was pretty good. Uh, I'm especially excited about the previews for UI Kit because you know even though Swift UI is still the new hotness, a lot of people are still using UI Kit and it's the old standby and 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 I mean basically I think this gets rid of the need for interface builder finally it, or you know it, it does. It does the things, I think, you know, I haven't actually used it yet, but it seems like it does the things that were really nice about Interface Builder uh, and it just letting you visualize exactly what you're doing as the as you're writing the code without having to go through the cycle of tweak something, build, look at it, tweak something, build, look at it, which is really slow. Well, there was a way with the UI representative, I forget what it was called, but... Um... There was that was an interface builder though. Yeah, no, but there there was. Yeah, I've got the I've got the terminology wrong, but because there was a way to do uh, UI kit previews with the can with the canvas and Xcode, but it was it was glitchy and and if you made a mistake, you'd get a a black screen with a big red X on it, right? Because um, you're talking about the IB IB uh, IB composer, no, I think um, is what it's called. I'd have, to, I'd have to. I have to open up Xcode and look at my code. But yeah, because I, I did do some. Because we we at, at work some of the some of the guys have put uh, previews previews in on the UI kit stuff. But um, it is possible. Oh, okay. It is possible, okay. but it's fragile, right? Oh, I guess you could. Well, you could embed your UI kit object into a uh, UI view yeah, representable or something like preview. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's ugly though. That's yeah. ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. This is, uh, uh, yeah. The, so I, you know, obviously the the. I mean, if you're not watching what's new in Swift UI, what's new in UI Kit, what's new Xcode 15, and what's new in Swift, um, then those are obviously the places to start. And and they give you, they point out the other talks that are coming either today or later on, um, if you want to do a, a deeper dive into those into those areas. So a lot a lot of stuff to. I mean, I probably I think I've probably watched like ten videos all in so far, and yeah, we've got. Ways to go, right? Yeah, I think the sexy stuff is going to be, you know, the Vision OS sessions on on how you take advantage of designing for spatial computing and stuff. But I don't want folks to miss out on some of the nice quality of life things that are coming out. Like, um, you know, they talked about the preview canvas showing, you know, widget timeline entries, which makes it way easier to debug what that whole sequence is going to be like. 
um, and, and what's happening to the timeline that you're providing for, for widgets and other activity type um, things. I think having um, all of these different things that have been, honestly, I haven't gotten to too many sessions uh, so far, um, but just seeing people on Twitter be like, oh, you want to you wanna export this file? Here he is. It's like one line of code. Oh, that's great. <laughs> It's yeah. like so, you know, all of these uh, these various paper cuts that you sort of have to deal with, you know, the things that get in the way of the thing you want to get to, they they really polish the heck out of a whole bunch of those, which is really, I think, something that I don't want to get lost in all the, the sort of fervor and enthusiasm over Vision OS and Vision Pro. Yeah, no, definitely. And there was like the whole, there's a paradigm in terms of doc, doc, or Doxy as well was there's a lot of interesting things happening with Doxy with documentation in your app. Um, that way I would I would put those close to the top as well. Um, and I think the new layout on the watch might might change. You know the, the new structure of uh, WatchOS 10 with with uh, the stacks and the widgets. That that might be something really interesting. There might be some interesting apps coming out of that. But anyway, let's move on to our picks since we're running on running low on time. Um, I got a couple of quick hits here. Um, One Password has uh, started doing their passkeys beta. You can sign up for that and and start. Uh, it's part of the Fido group uh, thing that uh, was started a few years ago. Uh, I think I mentioned, I mentioned last week that I'm already using uh, passkeys on my. Um, on my Mac to sign to onto Google things and things like that, but yeah, now you can you can start to play with uh, passkeys on your own your own content. There is a talk in um, WWDC on passkeys, but it's more to do with managed devices that you might have in your network. If so, if you don't have managed devices, don't bother with that episode. Um, I wrote a piece of science fiction um, eighteen months ago uh, about. Uh, called iViz, and it's uh, it's my it was my first thing I published in Medium actually, um, but it's a, a fictitious story about a guy who goes into a a store of some type where they wear plain colored uh, t-shirts with a single logo in the center, and uh, is fitted for his first virtual reality headset device and. It's just, huh. just it, it, like it, it's either it's either the complete complete story or it's the first chapter. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so if you're interested, check that out. That was 18 months ago, and I called it iViz 1.0. I was so close to the name, right? Um, <clears throat> and that's it for me. And I'm going to throw over to Jaime for the next two. Yeah, one of these is uh, Swift.org's using upcoming feature flags from uh, Mr. James Dempsey. You might recognize that name. Um, so when he's not, you know, slinging out code, when he's not, uh, you know, conditionally a breakpoint, although actually that's you, Tim, he is a breakpoint. Apologies for that. Um, my terrible lead and notwithstanding, it looks interesting. <laughs> you, can't, you can't always stick the landing. Um, so I'm just going to, you know, move on because the show must move on sort of thing. So it's kind of neat that you can start adopting new features um before your your version of Swift is actually ready, and they give sort of the you know, the, the example of regex literals, where you know that's going to change, it's going to be um, you know a breaking change, but you can go ahead and say you know yo guess what um, I kind of want to know how my code handles the the new hotness that's coming up, and it's not as if this is the only feature flag. In fact, this talks about sort of the mechanism, a generalized solution for that. But I really do like the idea of not having to wait for, okay, have to wait for the actual code 
to drop to see how broken the code base is. It's kind of nice to see, oh, okay, looks like we're doing okay here. Like if they ran the, um, you know, if you're using the compiler flag that says go ahead and, and check it for the new style of doing this, then you, you see how, how well you're doing there, right? And you, of course, you've also got, you know, uh, feature checking of like, all right, you know, it's a little bit of a dance here, but, you know, if your compiler is this version, use this it's that version use that otherwise fall back to this other thing you can you could do some you know interesting things here but i do appreciate the fact that you you got a little bit of a a sneak preview if nothing else of you know how bad the situation is for some of these changes um if you're writing an app you know purely by yourself this may or may not be that huge of an issue for you but if you're working on a, a an app that has a little bit more of a legacy or a larger team this this can be a, a big problem. At least it, it has been in my career of like, oh no, Xcode plus plus version is uh, going to seriously wreck our build server. Now everybody do the carefully coordinated dance so we can get all the team members updated and the build server updated. Um, this feels like it decreases that um, an anxiety and that risk you would run into. Right. Cool. Speaking of which, she's actually um, live streaming right now. So as we, as we record, you got one more here, Jaime? One more. Um, it's not a great title here. You know, the web page title says work with Apple. It's not work for Apple. This is work with Apple. So related to the Apple Vision Pro, there's going to be some, some direct support that you can start signing up for in some limited capacity in July. So as we speak here and as this recording comes out, you won't be able to do it. Bookmark this page. Be ready for it. So um, if you've got iPad or iPhone apps on the store. They can help you test that and see how well it'll run, how compatible it'll be with the Vision Pro. Uh, if you're lucky to be in one of the six locations worldwide, and I'll just list those out, Cupertino, London, Munich, Shanghai, Singapore, Tokyo, uh, you'll be able to have developer labs to experience that. I in- interpret that as being able to go and physically be somewhere and, and try it out on real hardware, not just simulator. Uh, and the aforementioned developer kits, um, stay tuned for how to apply. Uh, these kits are, are going to be there, I assume, kind of in the same model as the, the Apple TV developer kits. Oh, no, no. I don't think they're going to be hardware. I think they're software kits. Well, we'll see. That, that would be interesting. So why why would you need to apply for that? Why wouldn't that just be... Like, if it was all software, why isn't it just an Xcode build? Yeah, Uh do you actually have to apply for the kit itself, or do you have to apply for the service to work with Apple? That's that a real good know. question because this page, like, yeah. I tried not to plagiarize it in my in my reading of it, but I've pretty much read the entire thing to you. <laughs> so it's very light on details is where I'm going with that. So I may have misinterpreted this in in my enthusiasm as, oh, this might be some hardware. It's probably not going to be great hardware. It's going to be the oh, uh, don't touch this part. Um, cause it shorts out. <laughs> oh, let me wipe my, let me wipe my face because my, my sweat is causing the, the device to freak out. So at the Tuesday session, which, which by the way, was at the Apple developer center, which is right across the street from Apple park. It's in the same kind of the same complex, but it's on the other side of the street. They told us that the entire Apple developer center is now closed except for the one room we were in, which was kind of like the, the theater room where they gave the presentation because it's all being prepared for wink, wink 
some new secret purpose. So clearly that's where they're doing all this stuff. And they did talk about, they were pushing the service quite a bit and it really sounded to me like the developer kit was purely software because it's all, it's all, uh, um, you know, they're talking about how well it works in the simulator and how you can do everything you need to do and all this. And if you do read this article, it doesn't actually say, as far as I read it, uh, well, it does say that. Stay tuned for how to apply at the end. Okay. Hmm. Well, Still could know. be the case we'll that it's software. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, nothing here yeah. says yeah. totally hardware, but would also feel a little silly of like, uh, here's a checkbox <laughs> in your in your developer and iTunes agreement. Like, yeah, swear that you're going to do only nice things with this kit checkbox. Yeah, yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Your application is accepted. Now <laughs> download this new version of Xcode. Right. So they talk about the developer labs where you could quote, where you can experience your vision OS, iPad and iOS apps running on Apple vision pro. And then they talk about vision pro developer kit. Developer kits will be available to help bring your creations to life. These kits provide the ability to quickly build, iterate and test on Apple vision pro, but it doesn't, well, it's yeah, it's hard to interpret. They're making it maybe intentionally vague. It could mean that it gives you everything you need to build, iterate, test your software, and then you bring it to the lab and you actually run it on the real hardware vision pro. Uh, hard to say. Mm-hmm. Or or maybe there'll be a few kits out there, the hardware kits out there. Yeah, who knows? But but they didn't say that. They didn't talk about that in the in the Tuesday session, which was really all about this. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. And, Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right, my name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A, on the Twitter machine and the Mastodon machine, and still waiting for that blue sky invite. Um, but, yeah, so until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends. Please leave a comment on the website, and if you can, please write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. So use the hashtag AskMTJC. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time. I guess a big question is, are we going to do one next week on the rest of the sessions? I have two, I'm recording two podcasts next week for, with a couple of guests on Monday and Tuesday, but we could reconvene on Wednesday if you're up for it. Crickets. Checking the old calendar here. Yeah, I'm checking the calendar. It is Wednesday the 14th. Flag day. Yeah. Seems all right. Yeah, Canadian flag day, right? Yeah. Wait, is it flag day for you as well? Because my calendar puts in parentheses. Oh, no, February, February 15th is our flag day. That's right. Yeah, I forget you guys had your own, you have your own ceremonies. Like you're a different country all of a sudden or something like that. 
you all consistently have your events, your holidays earlier than ours. Before you. Yeah. Before you, yeah. Yeah. Are you doing all right? Uh, maybe this is uh, all fair stuff. Are you doing all right uh, wildfire-wise? Because I had heard Me? it's in Tirana as well. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely... Uh, so we have um, we have these Levoit, um HEPA filter fan things that we bought during COVID. I have a big one beside me, like a big, you know, some, like the size of a five-gallon drum or more. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it smells like like somebody's barbecuing something. Uh, so in the bedroom last night, I had to bring one up and plug it in because uh, you know Carol was like not was suffering. And um, so today I rode my bike and I and I wore a mask while I rode the bike because it was just yeah they're saying don't breathe this stuff in so. You know, it's I, hazy. I, I, this is the first I've heard of this. I guess I've been just out of touch with the conference and everything, but Toronto's burning down? No, no. This fire's in Quebec and northern Ontario, and, and the, the smoke is is covering. And the same thing's happening with wildfires in uh, Nova Scotia and, uh, like, down east, and then also in um, British Columbia and Alberta. There's, there's a bunch of so air quality's going down. And apparently... The fires in Quebec are starting to affect, you know, um, the eastern states in the United States, right? Like, I don't know about Massachusetts, but you know, you know, obviously New York, obviously would be would be affected, and Maine probably, right? So, but I know exactly what you're talking about with the the smell and everything, because that's what we get here when there's a big wildfire, even a couple hundred miles away. Just the air gets heavy, you know, and mm-hmm. and you breathe in, and it's just all smoky and it's just nasty. Well, we're getting we're getting these environment. Let me see if we can bring one up for you. Environment Canada warnings um, in in our in our Apple weather app, right? It, it looks like Blade Runner twenty forty nine out there in New York. Um, I have some on the ground. St- I obviously have been keeping up with Twitter. Some on the ground stuff from a friend of mine who's in New York, and she sent me it. It looks like it's got like a sepia tone filter over everything. Wow. Uh, so right now. Uh, where I'm sitting, looks like the air quality index for me is 48. So uh, holding out hope that we won't have the Pacific wildfires that we've had for years and years here. Um, at the time, when, when did she send me this? This was 5.30 p.m. Pacific, so 8.30 Eastern. It was an air quality. So mine is, what did I just say, 48? It was 236 Wow. Which I looked in my history, it looks like we got to about 140 when it started getting orange and ugly here. Um, so it, that's, a, that's a rating, the number you just read? Out? Yeah, higher is worse yeah. Yeah. Uh, for air quality index. Um, so believe it or not, right now, San Jose is 14. Oh. Really nice here. Super yeah. crisp and clear. Look at that. Yeah. That's pretty shocking, actually. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bananas. So this is the thing the West Coast has dealt with. Um, the Seattle area in and Portland area in particular have dealt with the double whammy of the pincer attack of NorCal, Oregon, um, sometimes Washington State, and Vancouver, British Columbia, sending all the terrible wildfire smoke in our direction. And it seems like the East Coast got it this time, at least so far. Kind of look up what it was when we had the really bad wildfires here. I, I think it was actually over 400 at one point in, in some Yeesh. of the really bad places. And that, yeah, it's really bad. It's like, don't go outside. You know, if you're elderly or a kid or a pet, don't go outside at all. It was that bad. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do recall that folks uh, early on in COVID, like 
in that area, we're saying, oh, I've still got some N95 masks hanging around from when the wildfire season went. I guess I'll start using those for this pandemic thing. And then now, if you still have um, 95s and KN95s hanging around for um, you know your COVID sort of uh, chest, if you had one or box, probably will need those for you know if you have to go outside, which you really shouldn't. You should try to avoid wow. that when the weather's that bad. Trenton, New Jersey, right now is 441. That's nuts. That is nuts. Yeah. That's nuts, man. Worst in the U.S. right now, according mm-hmm. to this chart. New York City, I think, hit the worst in the world, which, you know, beating out, um, was it like Shanghai and somewhere in India? Was it Mumbai? Like, you know, there's some areas that like traditionally have the, the worst air quality because of, of smog predominantly. And this is, you know, air quality index even worse. It It's gross. It, you know, that, that feeling you get when you uh, you go camping and you you've been by the campfire for yeah. like a weekend or a long week and you you come home you're like I smell like barbecue <laughs> my yeah, clothes and everything clothes are full of them. yeah Portland yeah. Maine on the other hand seems to be completely unaffected by these fires they're at four right now wow yeah it's interesting four seems like how do you not even have pollen yeah. and other sort of like spring are there no bees there's no bees yeah. kicking up some, some yeah. pollen no kidding yeah. the bees are very you know they're very tidy. <laughs> Cool. Well, I guess on that happy note, actually, sure. what what page were you looking at, Mark? Maybe you can slack me a link. Up, but um, uh, I'll... this with these numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Is some chart you're looking at? Or it's something? it's uh, yeah, it's on Market Watch. Uh, let me find my Slack. All right. Well, I'm going to go and see if I can catch some of the live near WWDC 2023 show. So it seems to be in intermission now, but they said it was only six minutes, but it's been in intermission for a while. Wait, what show are you talking about? Live near WWDC 2023. It's on the YouTube. What is it? James James Dempsey and the Breakpoints. They're playing oh, that in, thing. in San Jose. Oh, yeah. Oh. He lives in San Jose. Does he? Yeah. He used to work for Apple, so it makes sense, right? <laughs> but it's, I think it's his family's from out here somewhere, like from your area, where you're, where you're a native of. Mm-hmm. All righty. All right. Talk to you later. See you guys later. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.